powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. This is Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports. Streaming through the Seattle Sports app. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Here we go now. Hump day, hump day is Wednesday. That is hump day, man. I'm Michael Bumpus. No, Stacy today. She might be going over the past. She might not. Um, we'll if check she is, in on her. Best of luck. Best of luck we to her. We want you to return, Stacy. Yeah, we do. Uh, her car's little. She's little. So uh, I hope if she does go over the past, <laughs> she is safe with it. But like I said, today you got me, Michael Bumpus, and Curtis Rogers filling in for Stacy on this side of the glass today. Our wonderful, just competent. <laughs> Amazing is, is, guy, yeah, Matt Nelson is still doing his thing over there. What's up, Matt? Hey, man, see, <laughs> I try to show Matt some love. He don't show me no love. You guys really came to blows before this show. I think it's it's like tradition. <laughs> when it's when it's the dad pod, me and Matt got to start the day just getting at each other a little bit. There Absolutely, that's it's the just, most fun part of the day. That's how we show love in the locker room. It's true. Yeah. You know, you got to talk uh-huh. a little bit. Exactly. And uh, speaking of locker rooms, man, um, there might be a little bit of change in the locker room. We heard uh, John Schneider at the NFL Combine yesterday, and he was talking about Gino. Everyone wants to know if Gino's going to be the guy. What's up with Gino? Is he your dude? And uh, it was pretty clear what he said to me, but for some reason, people are dissecting this a bit more than I did. Let's hear what he had to say. Cut one here. Yeah, I mean, I would think, yes, starter until he's not. I mean, really, I mean, this is, this, our coaches aren't down here with us, guys. So we're basically, what we're doing is, you know, we, we have a vision, we have a plan for what we're doing. Next week, when we get back in the office after kind of learning the landscape down here, talking to all the agents, all the other teams, you know, what, what we're going to learn throughout the week, kind of coming around the corner next week, getting back with those guys, with the new staff, uh, with Mike's staff in place, and then, you know, get, getting our alignment. You know, really asking for for patience from you know from all of our players. All right, so look, he says he's our guy until he's not. Now, um, NFL Network's Ian Rappaport also said that the Seahawks are among some of the teams that have met with LSU QB Jaden Daniels at the Combine. Jaden ain't coming here. He ain't going to be around um, during pick 16, so we can just eliminate that, but it's nice to know. But when you hear that clip from John Schneider, Curtis Rogers, what do you hear? It sounds like somebody that uh, probably doesn't have – his mindset on who is going to be the quarterback in 2025. I think when I hear John Schneider talk about Geno Smith in in that cut saying he's the quarterback until he isn't, uh, that means there will be a day that comes where he is no longer the quarterback of the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, I think Geno is deserving of the starting job going into 2024, but ultimately, that's not my call. That's not your call. That's not anybody's call. That's the call of John Schneider. Maybe the call of Mike McDaniel or uh, Mike McDonald. That's the first time I have gotten them <laughs> confused on the air. It's probably not going to be the last time. But Mike McDonald. Um, and we heard that cut from McDonald uh, from over the weekend when he was with Fox 13. And he was pretty noncommittal about either Geno Smith or Drew Locke going forward. I think what the or the way that both Schneider and McDonald have talked about the quarterback position uh, since McDonald was hired and since Schneider took over the football president of football operations role, to me, Bump, it sounds like they are going to be looking at quarterbacks in this draft, whether it's in the first round or whether it's later on in the draft. You, we all know that they don't have the second round pick that was traded to the Giants for Leonard Williams. There is that third-round pick, but right now, I mean, your only opportunity to really kind of dip your toe into the quarterback class is with that pick at number 16, 
And I don't know if the quarterbacks, all of all four of them, the top four guys, the you know Caleb Williams, he's not going to be there. Uh, Jaden Daniels, who Rappaport says the Seahawks have met with at the combine, I don't think he's going to be there. Drake May, I don't think he's going to be there. And then probably JJ McCarthy is the fourth one. TBD, if he'll be there. Um, I do wonder though, Bump, if we've all talked about the Seahawks trading back in the first round. Might there be they a case to be made to trade up if if they have their mindset on one of these quarterbacks? Yeah, that's um that's a great way to look at it because we all know that there are great drafts when it comes to quarterbacks, there are poor drafts when it comes to quarterbacks, and this one seems to be a pretty good one. You got four or five guys who can get it done. Now you mentioned John Schneider possibly drafting a quarterback, and there's a reason, right? For 14 years, this team has not drafted a quarterback. And uh, in cut number two, John has some thoughts about that. Um, I would assess Syracuse class. It's a good group. You know, Greg, I told you guys in the past, you know, uh, having uh, grown up in the Packer uh, organization and worked for Ron Wolf, uh, not, you know, 14 drafts, only drafting two quarterbacks is not something that we're necessarily uh, proud of. It's just hap- it just ha- it's happened that way. And uh, every year it's a goal to try to acquire a quarterback, and whether that's a draft, free agency, whatever it looks like. But yeah, this this year's uh, draft class is a, is a is a is a is a cool group. A lot of a lot of variances in there. Now, Curtis, the reason why it's happened that way is because one, you have Russell Wilson forever, mm-hmm. and there are other uh, pieces that you needed to add to this puzzle. This year is a bit different. You do have your starting quarterback for twenty twenty four, like you said. Twenty twenty five might be a bit different, but now you're looking to say, all right, well. When and if Geno is done, are we going to have something baking in the oven to get this thing going? They might take a shot. It sounds like they're going to take a shot at, at a quarterback this year. It, I would be okay with that, uh, especially, you know, John Schneider has had a pretty decent eye for quarterback talent because he famously attended Patrick Mahomes' pro day, famously attended Josh Allen's pro day. Uh, there was that rumor that – had the Seahawks gotten their way in 2018, they would have traded Russell Wilson to Cleveland for pick number one and would have taken Josh Allen uh, with that pick. And, I mean, Allen has had a great career with Buffalo, hasn't won the Super Bowl yet, but, uh, you know, if that trade had gone through, who knows where where any of us would be uh, at that point. The butterfly effect is kind of crazy to think about. But um, I look at last year's draft bump in, in kind of the Seahawks – uh, and, and their flirtations with draft quarterbacks recently. They had the top four quarterbacks. They went to all of their pro days a year ago. Uh, it was, what, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, and Will Levis. They all took their pictures with, with the Seahawks coaching staff. Um, this year, I don't know if they're going to go on a big tour like that like they did a year ago, but... They, the problem with last year's draft class is that three of those four quarterbacks were taken before pick number five. The Seahawks didn't have a chance to draft any of them. Right. I wonder, Bump, let's say Anthony Richardson slipped to number five. Indianapolis did not take him, and, and they took somebody else. Would the Seahawks have pulled the trigger and taken Anthony Richardson at pick number five? I think they might have. Yeah, I I think it's a possibility. I think when you have when you're in positions like that to potentially potentially grab a franchise quarterback when you not you're not sure if you have one because last year was different, right? You're like, all right, mm-hmm. Dino played had a good year, but is he going to be our guy for three, four, five years? When you have a chance, you're in that top ten pick. 
Um, you should be looking at every quarterback, right? You should be looking to uh, make this team better. That position, the most important position in football. I don't care how you put it. Big ups offensive linemen as well. So it's a. Uh, it seems like there might be some clarity at the quarterback spot. I think off of those first two clips, we're thinking, all right, well, Geno's going to be the guy for next year. They're definitely going to look at or pick up a quarterback in this draft. And then in this cut, it's kind of like, all right, now you just make everything cloudy again a little bit when he talks about Drew Lock cut number three. He does. He does. We'd love to have him back. The first year after we traded for him, he was supposed to have the second game, I believe. Yeah, it was against Chicago in the preseason. And he got COVID real bad. Lost his legs. So he plays in the third game against Dallas and just did not have his legs at all. Threw a couple of balls that he'd love to have back. And then once that happened, you know, Shane Waldron, Pete, Dave Canales, those guys did a phenomenal job of, of, of instilling that confidence in Geno. And once, once Pete uh, named Geno the starter, Geno's confidence just went through the roof. Drew had a nice, you know, he had a nice year for us this year. Played those two games, played great two games for us. And yeah, we'll be meeting with all, all those guys down here this week and hopefully we can have them back. So to me, this is John Schneider being a good GM and just covering all his tracks. He goes, all right, man, Geno's our guy. Love the quarterbacks this year. Not proud that we didn't draft a quarterback mm-hmm. in only two and 14 years. Also, we love to have Drew Locke back. I mean, if this ain't GM talk, I don't know what else it is, but this is what he's right. supposed to do, right? You keep all the doors open, all the possibilities out there, and, uh, and make sure everyone feels wanted in some sense. Yes, you absolutely have to make anybody involved in this quarterback uh, decision going forward wanted. It kind of reminds me of where the Seahawks were in 2012 when you had signed Matt Flynn in free agency. You had Tavares Jackson here as well. And then you go out and draft Russell Wilson in the third round. Right now you've got Geno Smith, who is the veteran starter of the group. Uh, Drew Locke is sort of the wild card in that he's made starts before in the NFL, has has looked good at times in his career, but has has largely you know been relegated to backup duty for the majority of his career. Do the Seahawks go out there and and go add a rookie quarterback to this group? I mean, look, John Schneider was the GM when they had Flynn, T. Jack, and Russell Wilson in the same quarterback room prior to the 2012 season. He's not scared to go three deep with the quarterbacks and 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 three deep with guys who uh, are you know have they bring varying skill sets to the table. Uh Gino I think represents the safest bet going forward. The the guy that is probably going to get you to the playoffs uh if everything else on the roster is up to speed. Drew Locke I think doesn't have the highest upside of of any of these decisions uh being made. I don't think right now he's a quarterback that could get you to the playoffs the way Gino could. Uh I don't think he could potentially be better than, say, a J.J. McCarthy or, you know, Jaden Daniels, Drake May, Caleb Williams. I don't think any of those guys are really on the Seahawks or really, you know, in the Seahawks' plans right now unless something drastic changes between now and then. Um, But if I'm looking at what I want to do in 2024, if I want to win, Geno's my guy. But going forward – Boy, it's going to be really tough to to figure that out because, you know, if this is the best Geno can be, is that enough to make you a consistent Super Bowl threat? I look at Drew Locke and I go, he's the middle child in this situation, man. I got three kids and the middle child gets left behind sometimes. My mom is a middle child. She always talks about 
um, the struggles of it, right? You got your your eldest, who is Geno Smith, the guy that you feel like you can trust. You can leave the house for a couple of hours, and he's going to hold it down. And then you got the baby, the, the potential pick for the Seahawks, which would be a rookie quarterback who you have to pay attention to the most because you're trying to nurture them, you're trying to develop them. And then you have the middle child who you don't ignore, but they get, they get, they get lost in the mix. And that's how I'm looking at Drew Locke. I go, you're getting lost in the mix right here. And it's a, it's a, a weird place for Drew Locke to be in because, like we've mentioned before on this show, it's not a great place to be right now as a free agent quarterback in the NFL with this group of quarterbacks coming in who you got Caleb, you got Bo, you got Penix, JJ, you got May, um, and people are hating on May, man. They're they're, they're hating on him right now. Really? We'll talk about that in a little bit. Yeah, um, so um, it's a weird place for Drew. Like, security would be Drew coming back with the Seahawks. You know he's dependable. He can be a backup. Uh, but going out there and trying to spread your wings and find a spot could be tricky because of all the rookie quarterbacks out there, because of Kirk Cousins, because of Russell Wilson. Um, decisions have to be made. So I'm looking at Drew Locke, and I feel for him, man. But then I remember that he's going to get paid regardless. He will be on the roster regardless. And he'll get an opportunity eventually. He just might have to be a bit more patient. I do think, though, this represents a good thing for the you know backup quarterback spot here in Seattle. You're going to have a proven or a, or a, a commodity that will steady the ship if anything were to happen to your starter for years and years and years here in Seattle the backup quarterback spot was kind of an afterthought it was like Trevon Boykin Austin Davis uh, a lot of guys that were undrafted free agents or just kind of quarterbacks off the pile off the scrap heap uh, and if if Russell Wilson had ever gone down you kind of worried like oh man if if that ever happens we're in a, for a world of hurt Last year, we saw Drew Locke come in relief of Geno Smith. He went 1-1 one and one as a starter, lost to the 49ers in San Francisco, which I don't know if that result would have been much different if Geno had started that day because San Francisco seems to have the Seahawks number right now, um, but did pick up that win on Monday Night Football. That's a good backup quarterback, and I think that's the right role for, for Drew Locke right now. Putting him as the starting quarterback next year, I think, sets in motion – probably a rebuild on on the offensive side of the ball if we're being honest yeah i agree um tough times for drew lock he will be on a roster gino is our guy and we'll see what john schneider and mike mcdonald do in the draft when it comes to the quarterback position man uh we're just getting started lots more to do let's get to headline rewrites Headline rewrites. We must make headlines. The real story behind the headlines in today's news with Bob and Stacy. The Seattle Times' Ryan Divish writes that Matt Brash likely won't be ready for opening day, and industry sources believe he could miss an extensive amount of time or possibly even the season. What's the real headline? Real headline, you mean to tell me that that much spin on his slider and also leading the league in appearances could lead to arm trouble? <laughs> it doesn't add up, Bump. It doesn't. It ain't mathing. <laughs> it ain't mathing. Man, I, I feel I feel bad for for Brash because what seventy eight appearances, most in the uh, in the majors last year. You mentioned he relies on that slider, man. He throws about 89, 88 miles per hour. There's movement on it. Um, my arm gets sore if I'm just throwing a football for a couple of days with some clients over there at yeah. ETA. So I can imagine how this guy feels. Um, there were uh, Divers said that he was being asked about his arm. He wouldn't be specific. That's what athletes do. That's what GMs and coaches do. But he kept looking at that elbow, man. Um, I feel bad for Brash. We might feel a bit different about this bullpen if he's not available. We will probably feel very different about this bullpen <laughs> if he's not available. We'll talk further about it at 1030. But, yeah, this is not the news you want. 
out of a guy that you were relying heavily upon last year and we're probably going to do more of the same this season. Uh, you do kind of wonder uh, what the Mariners bullpen, a group that has been phenomenal the last couple of seasons here, uh, what that means for them because you've got Gregory Santos who has not pitched uh, in any spring training games yet. You've got Andres Munoz has who has dealt with his fair share of arm troubles in the past. So big question mark right now with that Mariners bullpen. You hope that Matt Brash will see him at some point this season, but right now it's looking like it, it will be a while before we see him out on the mound. Headline rewrites. When asked at the Combine by the News Tribune's Greg Bell about Jamal Adams' fit in Mike McDonald's defense, John Schneider answered, is he in his plans? Yeah, I mean, we'll find out. We'll keep working through things. We're still trying to figure all that out. What's the real headline? I think we know what they're trying to figure out if they can make a, a release of Jamal Adams' work. I don't see him suiting up for the Seahawks in 2024. No, there's always a possibility, but I wouldn't uh, bet my house on it. And when, you, when you look at what Jamal Adams has done, he's missed 34 out of 69 games. Hasn't recorded a sack since 2020. That year, he had nine and a half. Right now, he has a $26.9 million cap hit. This is just business. You're weighing out uh, the cons and the pros. The pros, when he's healthy, we know he can get after the quarterback. He's great in the box. The cons, he hasn't been healthy often. We haven't seen a sack since 2020, and that's what he does the best. Um, real conversations are being had about Jamal Adams. Um, I read an article on ESPN. It was um, the players teams are most likely to cut and obviously on ESPN.com they pointed out Jamal Adams man um, if he does get cut and he's not here I wish him the best because we know what he can do when he's healthy but sometimes players just have that injury bug and can't get over it we'll see how uh, Mike McDonald and John Schneider view him you know what's a great time or a great thing about this time of the year bump is that it's cryptic tweet season and Jamal Adams yesterday at one o'clock tweeted this he just said Looking forward to the opportunity. The opportunity. What does that mean? That means does it mean to play again. for the Seahawks? Nah. Yeah, to play again. Does it mean hitting free agency? <laughs> what does it mean, Jamal? He's leaving it we out there for know. us to decipher, and we will talk about that. Headline rewrites. Some good news for the Mariners. Julio Rodriguez will likely play in Saturday's Cactus League game, according to manager Scott Service. What's the real headline? The real headline. It's about time some good news came from Mariners camp. Yeah, we need that. We need that. Um, Julio, it wasn't a real concern. Uh, Curtis, we were talking before the show, and you pointed it out. It was just the um, the body language and the uh, the delivery of service talking about Julio makes us believe that it's minor and he's going to be okay. He's been playing catch with Ichiro. I saw him shake his hand a little bit, but nothing to be too concerned about. My question though is how many at-bats does a Julio Rodriguez need during spring training to really get into his groove and avoid the slow start that we've yeah. seen the last couple years? Well, last year, if you recall, the guys that went and played in the WBC that didn't get the immediate playing time like Teoscar Hernandez, that was a big complaint of his, is that he didn't get enough of a ramp-up period from just inactivity in right. the offseason to playing a regular set of games. So I think Julio's going to need his regular allotment of at-bats prior to the start of the regular season. Do I, do I foresee him playing a full nine innings on Saturday? No. Uh, I think probably get one, maybe two at-bats on Saturday. They're just going to ease him in because you're dealing with a guy who's a little banged up right now. At this point in spring training, you're just looking for health. You're just looking for guys to, 
to get through their pitch counts. Yesterday, George Kirby got rocked in his opener, but you know what? Got through it healthy. Yeah. And I saw somebody, I forget who it was. I wish I had the tweet in front of me, but they looked at George Kirby's first spring start every year that he has been on the big league roster. It's been the same thing where he's just getting rocked. I think he's just working on stuff. So not too concerned about the spring training results so much right now with guys like Julio, guys like Kirby. Uh, just just get to the regular season healthy, and, and then I will start to worry or, or whatnot about your stats. But great news that Julio looks like he's on track to play this weekend. Yeah, they just warming the car up. It was snowing the other day in Monroe, you know, and I go outside. I didn't realize it was snowing (laughs) or it snowed the night before. And I go outside. I go, all right, man, I got to sit here for five to ten minutes and and warm the truck up and make sure we're good (laughs) to go. That's all spring training is for some guys, right? Other guys is, okay. I got to impress the organization and management service and and show them that um, I'm I'm taking steps in the right direction. But for guys like like Julio, Castillo, Kirby, Cal, it's like, all right, man, let's get into the groove. The body is going to make a. Uh, intense movements. You know, it's hard to simulate the intensity of a game and, and cheer these other guys on. That's what I love about spring training, too, is just seeing how hyped the teammates are for these other guys because they know they're not going to be on the roster on opening day. Uh, they're battling to uh, to stay in, in the farm system. And uh, it's fun to watch, man. But no, great news that Julio is going to be available on Saturday. This is the Dad Podcast, man. Stacy is not here today, so I got my guy, Curtis Rogers. Got a good show for you today at 11. Shannon Dreyer is going to join us at 1 p.m. Lofa Tatupu is going to tap in as well. Going to talk a little bit of football. But when we return, we're going back to baseball. We feel really good about this rotation. And we felt really good about the bullpen. We just got the news that Brash is a little banged up. We're trying to figure out how long is he going to be out. So when we come back, man, we'll uh, talk about that. Ryan Divish had a good quote about that. It's all about baseball and Matt Brash. We will return. That is next right here on the Bump and Stacy Show. Bumpin' Stacy, Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Rost. There's always a risk for injury in any sport, right? I mean, that's just part of the game. Things are going to happen. But when you are a pitcher, it's almost inevitable, Curtis. It's like at some point, you're going to get banged up. That throwing motion is so crazy. And when you throw the stank in the juice that Matt Brash has, you appeared in 78 games you felt like, all right, this was possibly going to happen, but it's uh, it's bad news so far. So um, I'm going to read this from uh, the Seattle Times' Ryan Divish. Here's what Divish said. There's a name missing from the projected bullpen who was expected to play a major role this season. Right-hander Matt Brash was shut down from throwing after feeling banged up following his bullpen session last Tuesday. The young reliever didn't provide many details, but looked down at his elbow during the conversation. The Mariners' uh, manager, Scott Service, had no details on the situation, both in his morning media sessions and in a recent radio interview. He wouldn't provide details on where Brash was hurting. Service said they will have an update to the issue in the next couple of days. Industry sources believe that Brash could miss an extensive amount of time, possibly the season, even if the updates are positive on Brash, Brash's arm. He's likely he likely won't be ready to go for the opening day, and the Mariners certain certainly won't rush his progress. This is not what we wanted to hear. Uh, Curtis, but when you did hear it, uh, were you shocked? I wasn't shocked. I mean, it's yeah. uh, it hurts, but um, this is part of the game, and Brash has thrown a lot of pitches and had a lot of appearances last year. Yeah, and the relief pitching nowadays is you are throwing 100% of your effort 100% of the time. Like yes. You cannot you know, build to 100% the way I think a lot of starting pitchers do. Like You have to be 
coming out firing the second you your foot touches the mound. Uh, and Brash has done that, and you look at just the amount of torque and, and, and the amount of, uh, y- you know, velocity that he's using and the amount of spin that he's getting on his pitches. Like, you don't get spin without, you know, really torquing your arm and your elbow, and he has the most of it of anybody uh, with that slider. And then on top of that, his usage rate last year leading Major League Baseball in appearances was 78. Uh, The next highest guy was Justin Topa with 75. It sounds like, well, obviously Topa's not a Mariner anymore. He's with Minnesota, but it sounds like Brash is not going to be with the Mariners at least to start the season. That is a ton of innings that you're looking to replace. And the only holdover of your high leverage guys from last year would be Andres Munoz. Now, Gregory Santos, I can obviously see why they went out and made that trade. Um, I don't know if the knowledge of Brash's elbow was known at the time of the Santos trade, but here we are, and and Santos appears to be getting healthier. Uh, I think he's going to increase his throwing program. I think Shannon Dreher tweeted that out this morning. But Santos becomes a much bigger piece to the puzzle now than what we had, I think, hoped for him at the time of the trade, especially with Brash looking like he will miss at least the start of the season, if not potentially more. All bad news, man, Uh, but we hope that Santos is ready to go. I mean, that's partly why you bring him over because uh, pitchers get banged up. And uh, yesterday, I'm going to we're going to try to be like a psychologist right here and try to to get a vibe of uh, Scott here in cut number four when he talks about Brash. Yeah, we will hear more in the next couple of days uh, on where Matt is at. Uh, obviously, he's a key part. He's one of the best arms, bullpen arms in the league. Uh, you know, he felt some soreness the other day. We're, we're being very cautious with that. Where is that soreness? Out. It's in his arm. <laughs> okay. I answered your question. You, you did. It's <laughs> his right arm, too. It's in his throwing it's his, arm. Yeah. Yeah. Forearm, arm, not shoulder. Arm. You know what, what baffles me with stuff like this? Why don't coaches just say what it is? It's not like it's going to influence anything else that any other team is going to do, right? If his elbow is sore, the elbow is sore. I I don't understand why they're so afraid to leak this type of information. Yeah, I think part of it is they don't want the fan base to freak out, but it looks like the fan base is doing a great job. Yeah, it sounds like the fan base is doing a really (laughs) good job of that. Uh, And maybe just, you know, being 100% honest would have caused less people to freak out uh, the way that this report from Ryan Divish has caused uh, a lot of people to have great concern with the Mariners' bullpen going forward. Now, if Brash misses an extended period of time, how do you replace that production? Now, conventional wisdom would say, go get another relief pitcher, but is that how the Mariners should replace the value that Brash brings to the team? Because let's look at the lineup right now, Bump. There's also another guy expected to miss some time, and that's Luis Arias, the third baseman that they acquired by giving up Isaiah Campbell to the Boston Red Sox. Matt Chapman is still available. Mm-hmm. He is still out there, and looking at the Cody Bellinger contract, it's clear that the market is shrinking for a lot of these guys, uh, and the price tag is going down for a lot of these remaining free agents. Chapman, Blake Snell, another guy. Is that the route the Mariners need to take in order to replace this value lost by Matt Chat or not Matt Chapman, Matt Brash, by going out and getting a, a Chapman, signing a Blake Snell? Um, there, there's a different way to replace 
the value lost by Brash by not just looking at the bullpen, but by looking elsewhere on this roster for opportunities to add. Because if you add Chapman, your lineup potentially could score more runs to where there's less pressure on your bullpen going forward. You're not going to maybe be in so many one, two run games and so many high leverage situations late in the ball game. We got lawyers on the text line. And they're letting me know that it's against the law. HIPAA will come after you if you disclose uh, some type of work injuries. Makes complete sense. But to go back to your point, right, how do you get better? Do you add an arm or do you do something defensively or to that lineup? And cut number eight, Jordan Schusterman talks about that. At the beginning of the offseason, when especially after they traded Geno, I was like, okay, this would be kind of strange to just swap out Gina for Chapman. But now Chapman really fits quite well. Now, again, we have no idea what his demands are at this point, but that is a move now where if he was your one big move of the winter and you didn't change much else, I think that would be a little bit concerning. But I think now you could bring him in and he's someone in the lineup that fits more in that five, six, seven range rather than that two, three, four range. Now it's a piece that when you consider the defense that he's bringing, I mean, I, I don't hate the plan to platoon Rojas and Arias, but if you want to act like what Cal Raleigh was saying at the end of last season, and you want to spend some money, go out and get some of the big guys, Matt Chapman qualifies as that. I know some Mariners fans think he's super overrated, but I don't really see an argument that that he would not make this team better. I really don't. That's that. I agree with that. Because if you look at the text lines, you talk to people, um, and they're like, no, Matt Chapman. There's a lot of people who are saying, who are saying no to Matt Chapman, but some who are, are forward, right? Yeah. But you just got to understand who you're getting. You're not adding Matt Chapman just to bolster the power in this lineup and, and make it super explosive. You're you're getting him because you want to make sure defensively you're good at third base. You yes. don't have to platoon at third base. And with this injury, it makes more sense. Now, I like the way that you laid it all out for the people, Curtis. Yeah, because – there's more than one way to replace uh, the value lost in Matt Brash. You could go with a bat like Matt Chapman and a glove like Matt Chapman, or you could go a starting pitcher like Blake Snell and maybe, I don't know, move like Brian Wu to the bullpen for, for the year. I, I, that the, you're just throwing ideas out there right now because there is no guarantee that we're going to see Matt Brash, and you want to have guarantees on this roster, especially – we were not considering Brash to be among the injury-prone players that are on this roster this year. Obviously, guys like Mitch Haniger was up there. Arias was up there. Uh, I think Mitch Garver was another name that people are like, well, if you can get a full season out of him, that's that's the hope. Not once this offseason did we really consider that Matt Brash could be among those. And now kind of looking at the <laughs> what his season was a year ago and just how hard he throws pitches, like – yeah, I think it should have been a consideration from a lot of us that bullpen arms are very finicky, and to expect a guy to replicate what he did the year prior, uh, which was, I think, Brash's first really full year in the bigs, start to finish, that was going to be a tall ask, too. And uh, right now, the Mariners are in a weird spot because you don't know what his status is going to be like going forward. What you can do is is turn that question mark into an answer by addressing maybe another need. And we'll talk to Shannon Dreyer about this coming up in about 20 or so minutes. Like, how do you fill this gap potentially with the absence of of Matt Brash? Do you go out and try to acquire a bullpen arm, use some of that, that prospect depth that's starting to build up over the last couple of years? Or do you go and open the pocketbook up and get Matt Chapman here 
to fill a void offensively that will lighten the load for your bullpen. My question is, how long was that check engine light on? With Brash, right? I mean, they're, they're not going <laughs> to disclose to us, you know, how he felt during the offseason coming into spring training. But something tells me that check engine light was on for a little bit. They want to test it out to see what he can do. And uh, it's still there. My check engine light was on uh, the other day, but I just got an oil change tune up and all that stuff. And then it turned off. So I, I don't I'm going to take it back in and see what's up, though. That's my check engine light story. Yeah. Curtis. All right, man. <laughs> Lots of baseball to start the show. Um, we're going to take a little break, Ram. Get off my lawn is next, and then we'll start the baseball talk up again at 11, as Curtis mentioned, with Shannon Dreyer. That is next. You're listening to the Bump and Stacey show in Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. We got Curtis Rogers filling in. Bump and Stacey. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacey Rost. Curtis Rogers filling in for Stacey. I'm still here, Michael Bumpus. And uh, Curtis, man, um, this day has become like therapeutic for me. Yeah, what's... On Wednesdays. I mean... It's ther- therapeutic. I guess I get some stuff off my every chest. Day, every Wednesday at 1045, Bump, you tell us to get off your lawn and... I can see how therapeutic it is for you because every time we finish up the segment, you just look so much happier. You're like, all right, I said what I need to say. I said my piece, and now I can move on with it. But every week, something in between the Wednesdays that we do this segment, something grinds your gears, something gets on your lawn, so Mm -hmm. bump, why are we getting off your lawn? I'm a man. I'm 40. It's time to get off my dang lawn, and thank you for that intro, Curtis. Uh, here, here's the first one. I got three. I always try to get three for y'all. All right, here's the first one. Um, athletes who post then delete their tweets. Ooh. Now, this bothers me because this is, is no longer 0809 2010 when no one knew <laughs> what Twitter or X really was. And I went back and I saw Skip Bayless say some racist stuff on Twitter. Oh, I right. saw Reggie Bush say some suspect stuff on Twitter. I went back and saw all the mistakes people were making in like 9, 10, 11, 12 because we're just trying to figure this Twitter thing out. Even I went back and go, all right, I got to delete that because yeah. I wasn't sure what I was doing yeah. on the Twitter slash X. Now, this one was uh, motivated by... My guy LeBron James yesterday. Uh-oh. He's like, oh, man, leave the kid alone. All he does is work hard. He doesn't care about a mock draft. I guarantee you, Bronny's looking at the mock draft because he does care. He is a teenager. Of course, he wants to know. 18, 19 year old. He wants to know what people are saying about him. But you're LeBron James. Everything you put out there should be vetted. You should send it to somebody <laughs> before you put it out there. I'm this little old Michael Bump is in the Seattle region. Before I tweet anything, I hand it to the wife and say, hey, man, proofread that for me. It's is my good? message getting across. Like, let me know. You are LeBron. You're probably top five most popular athletes in the world, Craig, in the world. <laughs> and you are still posting and deleting. If you got to post and delete, that means you're you're tweeting off of emotion. Right. right? You shouldn't let your emotion Not a good spot determine you. Like, it's like when I, when I discipline my kids, if I'm too mad, I got to sit back and calm myself down because yes. I want to be logical. I want them to receive the message that I'm giving them. I don't just want to act off emotions. Emotions can mess things up. Athletes, everyone's looking at your tweets. Even if you delete it, it's screenshot. It's there. It's it ain't forever. going nowhere. So, LeBron, man, I get you. You're, you're being a dad. You're taking care of your boy. But athletes, even if you're in high school, high school, middle school, whoever, whatever is put out there, even if you delete it, it's going to still be there. 
Calm yourself down. Think about what you're doing. Hand the phone <laughs> to someone you trust and get their opinion whether you should post it or not. Stop deleting it. Just put it up there. It's there already. Just leave it. And Just- if you post it, stand on that. Stand on it. Do not back down, especially if it's a take like LeBron had with, with his son. You know, get off Bronny's back like he's still trying to be a kid. And But then I think he realized the error of his ways. But it's like, no, nah, you put that out there. Like, everything you say is going to be screenshotted. Like, there's exactly. no tweet that LeBron James has ever put out in into the ether that has just <laughs> fallen by the wayside and no one's reacted to. It's there forever. Exactly. LeBron is there. LeBron said he's flying to uh, Pullman to watch his son play. Really? I, I doubt LeBron's ever been to Pullman. <laughs> Go get you, uh, I'm sure he's private jetting it, so he'll be fine. But it's going to be interesting. That's my first one. Get off my day lawn, Matt. I'm a man. I'm 40. <laughs> All right, next one. Uh, tennis player Francis TFO and Ben Shelton say tennis is the hardest sport in the world. Wow. In the world. And I respect tennis. And I'm not even going to make an argument for it not being the hardest sport in the world. Because I've played tennis like at the park or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty tough. My wife played tennis in uh, in high school. It is tough. A lot so, of lateral quickness needed. Hand-eye coordination, endurance. It's an individual sport. You're out there by mm-hmm. yourself. So instead of bashing tennis players and saying that it's not, I'm just going to categorize a whole bunch of other sports. Okay. All right? So the most physical sport. Easily as football. Yes. It is football. Now, my rugby people are going to say, well, you got pads. You know what pads allow you to do? Run through a human being <laughs> with, with, with a force that you cannot do if you do not have pads on. I understand rugby is tough. It is physical. But football, especially back in my day, boom, you're done. Most skilled sport, it is baseball. By far, it is baseball. We just talked about Brash and his movement on his slider. That thing's moving six inches from right to left at 89 miles per hour. I ain't hitting that thing. Right. If it ain't a fastball, I'm not touching it, Curtis. Most mentally challenging sport easily is golf for me. It's golf because you are standing at a tee box and everybody's watching you, right? If you snap it left, everybody sees it. You got about 10 different shots. You got a driver, you got a pro shot, you got sand, you're putting, you got flop shots, you got bumping runs. Mentally, you have to be on point. If I have one too many whiskey on the course, <laughs> my mental is done and my golf game is over. All right? You're shooting 100. Shooting 100, easily. Most difficult sport to get rich. It's basketball. And the we reason why I say it's basketball, yeah, yeah, we talked about it yesterday. There's only 12 spots on the roster, 12 to 15, maybe you got some practice squad guys. The world is playing the game. Who are the best basketball players in the league right now? They're not from the U.S., all right? True. The world is playing the game. You got Luka, you got the Joker over there, you have Joel Embiid before he got banged up. Basketball is tough to get rich in. Now, once you're in, you're in guaranteed contract. You get these max deals. It's good to go. Fastest sport, it is hockey. The quickness of that game with that little puck, the decision-making is crazy in hockey. I've been to uh, the – I keep jacking their name of an Everett. Oh, uh, the Silver Tips? Silver Tip games. All right, I've been to the cracking games. I sit at Moonshine Barbecue with my golf homies and we talk about it. The game is fast, okay? Fastest game. Now, I know track is fast. They run fast, but I'm right. talking – I'm keeping a team sport, right? But the world's game – is soccer. I know y'all don't like soccer, but it is the world's game. All right. It is what it is. Here's the thing about tennis. Tennis is skill. It's mentally challenging. It's difficult to get rich and it's fast as heck. So I'm not saying tennis is not a hard sport. I don't think it's the most difficult, but it encompasses a lot of the things that I just talked about here in that list. Yes. I, I respect the heck out of professional tennis players because I have no idea how they even return serves. Crazy. Those things are going like 140 miles an hour. 
just to even get a racket on it is, is impressive enough. But to be able to have the reaction to return those serves uh, and then not just that, but, you know, sustained rallies, you're running back and forth and up and down. You're running everywhere on the court. Uh, you got to make sure that the you, every time you hit the ball, it lands within the court. Yeah, it is a tremendous thing that these athletes do. But toughest sport in the world? I don't know. I don't know about that. All right, last one. I'll be quick. I'm a man. I'm fine. Get off my dang lawn, you little kids and teenagers <laughs> out there. Disrespecting Cam Newton. I oh, saw a compilation yeah. yesterday of kids just pooping on Cam Newton. Do you know who Cam Newton is? Respect your elders. MVP of the league one year. Heisman Trophy. For, Heisman Trophy. He won a JUCO National Championship, NCAA National Championship, threw for 3,200 yards in the league, 194 touchdowns. He rushed for a bunch of yards. You kids, you better respect your elders. I don't care that he wears a funny hat and a hair sticks out the top. I don't care. You take him seriously. All right, this is Cam Newton. The fact that he's throwing hands with grown men at a 7-on-7 tournament is ridiculous. Cam Newton was a baller in the NFL. Forget how he ended. All right, he was the most feared player in the league at one point. You youngsters, you better pay respect to your elders. Or I'm coming for you. Get off my dang lawn. I Show like that. Respect. I like that one to finish because, yeah, what what are you doing jumping this guy first off, and then jumping a guy who's six six, two hundred and fifty pounds, built like a freight train. Come on, like this guy was thrown from his vehicle one time in a car accident and didn't get any sort <laughs> walked of scrapes, away from walked it. away. And like the picture of him is him just kind of smiling me like, huh, ain't that something. <laughs> uh, and then like, there's pictures of him getting into fights at practice, like three smiling. People. Yeah. Smiling. Like Cam Newton, probably one of the last guys I'd ever throw hands with. And don't forget he was a baller, man. Yes. You dang kids drive me crazy. All right. Thank you for that uh, therapy session. Uh, when we return on the Bump and Stacy show, we'll get back to Mariners baseball. Shannon Dreyer is joining us. That is next.